decided they would have the music, uh, the uh, program in the barn in uh, 1905. And uh, I liked it when they said, you know, having Christmas in a, in a stable, in a barn. And then the other person says, novel idea, isn't it? <laughs> the young person says, that's, that's really new. <laughs> I thought that was good. Nobody's smiling. I thought it was good. I thought it was funny. It was good. Amen. I um, really sat there and I thought, Brother Harry, I don't know why you didn't just preach tonight. Don't you think Brother Harry should have preached tonight instead of me? I think that being, he already did. That was good. That was really good. Um, I always enjoy, uh, listen, anytime Pastor Harry speaks, that's just a tremendous thing and enjoy it. But um, in Pastor Darrell's absence, he'd asked that I'd be ready. And uh, Pastor Darrell and I both wanted uh, Brother Harry to share that testimony. What a, what a up-to-date testimony how God can supply our needs. Amen? Just believe God. And we had to walk by faith for but God was faithful. And as we begin the message today on behalf of Pastor Darrell and his family and us and our family, we just want to say welcome to everybody and wish you and every family in our church a very blessed uh, Christmas time full of love and and peace that we might experience. And if we don't feel worthy or we think our lives are messy, what a great video to let us catch the reality of why Jesus came. Amen? Amen. Um, several months ago, I preached, in fact, the last message I preached here at Christian Life was on the glory of God. And uh, those songs tonight and uh, what Pastor Harry shared and and all these things have just brought all this into focus. And as we start on the glory of God, I'd like to refer back and refresh your memory on that sermon. We're going to put it on the uh, screen behind me. Uh, you might remember that I uh, did the glory of God with an acrostic. And it's a letter to explain what is the glory of God. The G stood for God, the glory of God. Remember that message? I don't know if, sometimes I don't remember what I preached, so I thought I'd review it for you. The L stands for the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to display the glory of God. O stands for the office, the work of the Holy Spirit, who came not to do his own thing, but he said, I will speak of him, and he brought glory to God. Uh, the R, we let stand for relationship, because if we're going to really understand the presence of God in our life, there has to be a relationship with God, with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. And that takes a yieldedness. I think of the yieldedness in the words of Moses when he cried out to God, I can't go on without you. Show me your glory. Yielding. We've got to come yield to God so we might have the glory of God. And for a number of months now, I've been taken up with the, with the truth or Maybe we should say the concept or a studying of the meaning of the glory of God. Remember, as I came back from India, I uh, told you that the theme of the conference this year was the year of God's glory. And I spoke for eight days on the glory of God while I was in India. And this message I haven't preached before, but I just put together a lot of thoughts on the glory of God. Because there's nothing that speaks more of the glory of God than the Christmas story as we've heard from the songs and the reading tonight. And on this weekend before Christmas in 2013, I'd like to preach on the message 
that was given to the shepherds by the angel on that first Christmas morning in the glory of God. Do I put that up there, Luke? Yeah, the glory of God. The uh, subject is the glory of God. I'm going to read the text from uh, Luke, the second chapter, from the New King James Version, uh, just to refresh our memory. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them. Notice here, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel of the Lord said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, and notice what they're saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want our meditation tonight in this service, tomorrow in the service, to be on the glory of God. And as I looked at that, thought about that, this message to the angels was glory to God. More I've meditated on this theme, thought about it a lot now. I begin to see a dualism or two points and so many things connected with the glory of God, where they have two parts. And if you're taking notes on the back of the bulletin, it might make it easy for you to make a list if you wanted to on the, I don't know if that's the right word, dualisms or the two parts of all the things connected with this event. We're going to start, number one, with the angel's message to the shepherds. There are only two parts as the angels came. The angelic message to the shepherds was glory to God in the highest. And the second phrase, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That was their message. Notice here, two messages, glory to God, peace to men. Two locations, glory to God, where, where he dwells in the highest, and peace where we dwell on this earth. Glory where God is, peace where we are. That's the whole message of Christmas. God, in all of his glory, came so that we might have peace for, and forgiveness of sins and blessing in our life. Only two concerns. God would have his glory and that men could be at peace with God. Everything's settled. And in conclusion uh, to the angel's message is this. What was it? Two things will take place by the coming of Christ at Christmas. Number one, God will receive the glory and people on earth will have peace. That's the message of Christmas in a nutshell. God's going to get the glory and we get the peace. We get the blessing. Glory to him and peace on earth. That's the reason Christ came. I just, I just got so blessed with me because I began to think that out. I really thought that was neat. That's the first twofold thing. Uh, the second twofold thing is uh, dualism in the words for glory used in the Bible. Number two, and I want to put it on the screen behind you, the biblical meaning for the words used in Bible times. Number one is the Hebrew word for glory that's used all through the Old Testament, and that is the word kabod. Notice I put up there all the things kabod means. It means it, it could be wrapped in glory or honor, glorious, abundance, riches, splendor, dignity, grace, majesty. All the concerns, all those concepts were there in that Hebrew word for glory, kabod. Wow. 
I, I did in amazement. What a description of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're going to be celebrating this week. That is the message that came to the lowly shepherds on a hillside outside of Bethlehem when Jesus was born on that Christmas morning. The other word, two parts, the second, the New Testament Greek word is the word doxa. That's where we get the word doxology. Doxology. Remember, we sing, praise God. I'm not going to sing it for you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We call that the doxology. It comes from the Greek word doxa. And that's in our hymnals, in our worship. Doxa in the Greek includes the same idea, splendor, brightness, magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace, and majesty. All those variations of the meaning of the word glory are necessary if we're really going to begin to begin to kind of understand the glory of the coming of Jesus Christ to this world as a baby. They proclaim glory to God. What a magnificent... I just wanted to not overwhelm you. I should say I'm overwhelmed when I think of all the things that could be wrapped into those two words. He was named Emmanuel, which means God with us. God in human form. A baby. What a great video we saw. A messy barn. They couldn't believe it. Jesus, Herod couldn't believe it. The wise men couldn't believe it. That we're looking for a baby in a manger. Uh, it's not going to happen. And yet, that is what we mean by God in flesh appearing. I want to read to you the very passage that was on the video, found in Philippians 2, 6 to 10. I think that's probably the best scriptural definition of how great this coming of God in the flesh was. Let me read it to you. It's been on the screen for the New Living Translation. Beginning in verse 6, Though he, that's Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, what did he do? He humbled himself. Stop for a minute and say, when we find ourselves in human form, we try to be lifted up with pride. We try to make ourselves look good. He came in human form and he just humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want you to notice something. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father we confess. To the glory of God we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the Christmas story from God's perspective. That's how God will look at it. His son leaving his privileges and coming being born in a messy stable that we might come back to the glory of God. Wow, that's all I can say. The glory of God was announced in connection with Christ's birth. The third two-point thing, this third dualism I want to give you tonight is God's glory was revealed in creation, but also, Brother Harry mentioned the moon and the sun and the stars, but also 
not only creation, but that which is beyond creation, which is eternal. God's glory revealed in his creation, but it's revealed in his eternal purposes. The Bible talks about the story of creation, such as, but here he's referring to the glory of the sun and the moon and the stars. That's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 40. I want to read it for you. 1 Corinthians 15 says, There are also celestial bodies, heavenly, and terrestrial bodies, earthly. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory for the sun, and another glory for the moon, and another glory for the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. That's talking about God's creation. Very interesting, you trace glory through the scriptures. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 11 says, it mentions a woman's hair being her glory. And the, says the glory of the young man is his strength. See, everything in creation has a touch of glory. And, uh, you know, I found a verse in Proverbs 20, 29 that I really like, which says the splendor of an old man is his gray hair. Amen? That's Brother, Brother Harry Mike's verse. So there's glory for young men, there's glory for women, there's glory for old men. And all this shows that the glory of creation just for now is temporary. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. Young men get old. Young women get old. They have gray hair then. It's temporary. This world is a momentary and a fleeting thing compared to eternity. But the second part of that, the birth of Jesus Christ has eternal consequence. He wasn't just making a world at that point that's going to pass away. His son was coming, which is never going to pass. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will abide forever. Hallelujah. God's glory is eternal. It's immutable. That means unchangeable. It's absolute. What a tremendous thing the angels were announcing to the shepherds when they sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So now we can actually see the glory of God with us. That's what Christmas is all about. Seeing things we don't see in the natural. Seeing how we can be our Savior. Seeing how God can be in our lives. Seeing how God can provide for us. And the fourth thing I want to give on these, this dualism, another aspect is the two aspects of God's glory that I want to emphasize. There is God's glory in the general revelation, but there's special revelation. General revelation means what I just talked about, creation. Generally, the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1.20 says, through everything God has made, they can see the invisible quality of God's nature. So man has no excuse for not knowing God. He is there, ready to be seen in what was made, what was done. But that's a general revelation. People can say, say, well, yeah, God's out there. But, you know, it takes the other half, which is a special revelation, which is the personal word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And we have to come to that. You know what Jesus' name was in John 1? He was called the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And you know what verse 14 of John 1 says? And the word became flesh. That's what happened at Christmas. And then it says, and we beheld his glory. Talk about the glory of God. See, we can see creation. And there's beautiful pictures. And it's marvelous. God did all that. 
but we can behold more than creation. We can behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, who is full of grace and truth. That's what happened when Christ was born. We could behold his glory. We could see, not just in creation, but in Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, we then can find grace and truth. That's the Jesus who came to reveal grace and truth of the Father to us. Fifth dualism I want to mention tonight is the Bible has two aspects to the glory of God. One is the intrinsic glory of God, the essential. That's what God is, the intrinsic. He is glory. This is God's glory as he is. Glory to God in the highest. In himself, he is glory. Before it was a mystery, mysterious, it was hidden. But when Jesus came, the glory of God was revealed. Glory to God in the highest. We begin to see what God is as he came in flesh. The person of God's son, Jesus Christ, it says, is the brightness of his glory in Hebrews 1.3. God's glory became manifested. And that's the other side of this picture. See, in the glory of God, there is the intrinsic glory of what God is. Yeah, that's God, but we have no way of knowing that unless we see the second part, which is the manifestation of that glory. And this is what Christmas is. God became flesh. We saw him. See, God is the intrinsic, but God does the manifestation. When you see his working power, when you see answers to prayer, when you hear Pastor Harry talk about how God provided a need, started five years ago, so that that need that we had right now was met. That is a miracle, in my view. That's a miracle. And God used people to do that. God manifests himself in the Old Testament in places and in things, in the cloud that was guiding the people, the pillar of fire that was over them, the smoke filling the temple. Those were the presence of God being manifested. And then when we come to the birth of Christ, that is the ultimate manifestation of the glory of God. Glory to God in the highest is what he said to the angel. And I'll give you another one, number six, dualism. There was a glory that Jesus had, notice, before the world ever began. And there will be a restoration of that day when the world is over and finished. Two parts. Glory before the world, and then glory that's going to exist through all eternity. I, put a, I want to put a PowerPoint on the screen up here with regard to Christ's glory that we'll know a few of these things here. Number one, that Christ's glory was with the Father before he came to this earth. He prayed in John 17, 5. The great prayer before I went to the cross was, Lord, let me re be restored to the glory that I had with you before the world began. Before the world began, I had glory with you. Then notice number two, Christ's glory was revealed in the incarnation, the birth of Christ, Christmas, when God's only begotten Son came. I quoted already John 1.14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Number three, notice the progression, glories that were to follow after his death on the cross. 1 Peter 1.11 uh, says, it talks about Christ's suffering and the great glory that would come after. We think the cross is so, so horrible as he had to die that way. But it says there's a greater glory coming after the cross, the steps as we go through. Then for, after the cross, there was Christ's ascension. 
into heaven. 1 Timothy 3.16 says God was manifest in the flesh. As we celebrate, he came as a baby at Christmas. They was justified in the spirit, seen of angels. The angels announced it. Preached among the Gentiles, evangelized all over the world. Brother Harry mentioned all of the countries, not all of them, but some of the countries where even our college is being evangelized, is out evangelizing people. Then believe on the world, and then received up into the glory, which was the ascension we see in the book of Acts. From his birth, even before his birth, to his return back to heaven. We see that. Um, Next thing we see is the glory that's in the church. Notice Ephesians 3.21. I believe that we can have glory in the church because it says there that unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. We can have glory right here in the church. Glory wasn't just something for the shepherds out there. It's not something that just happens Christmas morning. It's something we can be living in all this the glory I'm talking about. And one of these days, Christ is going to return, number six. He's going to return in the glory of the Father. Matthew 16 says, The Son of Man, Jesus, will come in the glory of the Father with his angels and reward each according to his works. And the seventh, last point here, the glory, when he returns, it makes everything new in the book of Revelation. There'll be no need of light in that city. You know why? Because the glory, his glory, will illuminate the, the eternity, and he with his light will be the glory throughout eternity. And notice the heavenly host announced the glory of God at Christ's birth. That was the glory that was with Christ before the world began. While he went through this earth, even suffering, there was glory to follow, and will take him glory throughout eternity. That's the glory that God has provided. And I just want to give God praise that God is the glorious one. God is showing his glory. We, we have no way of knowing what happened before the end of the world. We don't know what's going to happen after the world, except as we are in Christ and in the word of God, we can partake of the glory, and I believe that we can live glory in the church, glory in our lives. They saw him. They said, let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord's made unto us. The wise men saw his star in east and came to worship him. And there's a dualism as Christ came twofold. Number one, he came in John 17 that he might glorify the Father by completing the work. And he said on the cross, it is finished. I completed the work. But it also says he will bring many sons back to glory. The word of God will so work in us that he will bring us back to glory. My last thing of the dualism is the two covenants that I want to mention. The Old Testament and the New Testament reveal God's glory. But before I give any examples of this, I really want to say the glory of God as revealed in Christ and Spirit uh, in the New Testament far surpasses the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 13 brings this out if you want to study that, that comparison. But I want to make it very clear that that doesn't mean that the glory of God began to grow or there was a progression. The glory of God growing? No, that God always had glory. But they only could see a portion in the Old Testament. It had to be in manifestations, in symbols, in sacrifices, and in doing works of the law. And that never brought him into full 
knowledge of who God was until Jesus came and he was the glory of God displayed so that we could know. It wasn't God has more glory in the New Testament. It's that now we can see the glory that has come. And I think God wants to reveal that to us. Let me just give you a few comparisons between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Number one, in the Old Testament, the glory had to be seen. They had to have a manifestation. In the New Testament, it has been seen. We've already seen it's been revealed in Christ. In the Old Testament, the glory was external. Temples, sacrifices, ceremonies. In the New Testament, it's internal. Christ in you is the hope of glory. In the Old Testament, glory was geographical. It filled a temple in one place. But in the New Testament, the glory is spiritual. We worship God in spirit and in truth. We don't have to go to a location. We don't have to go find a temple. We have the worship in our spirit with him in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the glory was distant. They saw it afar off, and they feared to draw near. They saw the glory of God on the Mount Sinai, and they said they quaked and, 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 were, and were fearful and said, we don't, want to, we don't want to get any closer. Moses, you go up and talk to God. We don't want to get any closer because they saw it afar off and they couldn't take it. What is the New Testament? We can have his glory in our life. We can be filled with the Spirit of God and the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, it was out there. In the New Testament, it's, it's in here. In the Old Testament, the glory of God was a stranger. It invoked fear. But in the New Testament, the glory of God is our friend, grounded in our love for him. And I'm just so thankful that God has given us his glory. I'd just like to mention, in closing, and put on the screen, there are two chapters in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 that list different aspects of glory. Just in two chapters of the Bible, 2 Corinthians, it talks about surpassing glory, unfading glory, un unveiled glory, transforming glory, enlightening glory, humble, where it says we that glory dwells in earthen vessels. Precious glory, treasure it mentions. Enduring glory, it cannot be crushed out. It's going to last. Adorable glory, something we love. Magnificent glory, far outweighing any trials we have. Eternal glory and invisible glory. The shepherds that day got a, a, a revelation ahead of time. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. Could we stand and just close this night with a time of saying, Lord, show me your glory, and, and that we might come and worship him? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Tonight I just want to give you a whole bunch of things, about eight of them, that, that showed what it was and what it is. That was the situation, but the situation now is he is here. And he said, worship him. Let's just lift our hands. Let's just stand in his presence. 
Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you, God, for sending your only begotten Son, paying the price that he left heaven glory, laid it all aside, became a man, humbled himself beyond that, went to the cross as a criminal, but you raised him from the dead and gave him a name above every name. There were glories that followed the crucifixion. Thank you, Lord, that what was with you before the foundation of earth, that glory that will be with us throughout all eternity because you came, because we accept you as our Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As we go forth tonight and tomorrow, and, and this week we're going to celebrate the coming of Christ. I want you just to remember, in a new way, the message to the, from the angel Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We only had two announcements to make. We want God to get glory, and we want people on earth to be at peace. Not much peace around. Not even much peace, even in Christians' lives sometimes. But I want to tell you, it's there for us, because the glory of God has appeared unto us. Hallelujah. As we go tonight, would you receive the blessing of the Lord? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 We've heard great victory tonight. And let's go forth this week and celebrate and thank God for what he's done.